Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is brought to you by One Skin. And right off the bat, I love this company. It is founded by four female PhDs with expertise in stem cell biology, skin regeneration, bioinformatics, and aging. And the reason I love it is because the idea of putting something on your body every single day and thinking you're going to get some benefit, I I just really appreciate that there is deep science behind this brand. And it was actually gifted to me two years ago by my friend Heidi. She always seems to know kind of the latest, greatest. And she gave me one product. It was the face. It's literally called face. That's the other thing. I can't spend a lot of time doing, you know, 17 things to my face and they make it really simple. And now I've also added the topical supplement, the eye. So I have the face and the eye. They of course have a body and a sunblock, but they took seven plus years of research to develop the OS01 peptide. And what they say is our research first approach leveraged evidence-based data to navigate the complexities of skin aging. Tell me about it. They have 17 plus patents and publications. So they have a proprietary technology, including rigorous in-house R&D processes and the OS01 peptide is supported by three peer-reviewed scientific publications and 14 plus patents with many more pending. So they've all so you go, okay, that's great. They've got all the science behind it. They also have over 4,300 five-star reviews. I personally, like I said, have been using it for two years. And I love the fact that it's this bridge between, it's it's still cream. You know, I use supplements too, but this idea that now my skincare also has a technological and scientific background just feels like the kind of things I want to be using. And they have a great offer if you want to try it. Oh, and by the way, I also got a travel um, package of it. And so it's really easy just to take it with me on the go. So whether you want to wash your face or you eye cream or the face cream or the body or an SPF, they have you covered. And their offer is this. If you go to oneskin.co, so O-N-E-S-K-I-N.co, C-O, You'll get 15% off one skin with the code Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y. All you do is go to one skin.com. 
gabby.co and don't forget the code gabby for your savings. We know research is showing that anxiety and depression are at their height after COVID. That was what I was seeing in my patients. People were struggling in different ways. Mood and anxiety are the leading issues that people are dealing with right now. Unfortunately, that emotional toll is still showing in, in people because there's so many more people, including young folk who are just suffering with anxiety. Where do you start? I was getting emails and calls to say, I'm sleeping better. I want to do more. What else can we do with this? You know, can I come in next week and, and can we add to the list of tasks? Find a solution that is easy for them so they don't feel as overwhelmed. I think that one of the benefits is that people do lose weight and their brain fog improves, their concentration improves because we're really fending off any type of cognitive change by eating healthier for our brain and for our brain, brain cells. We have to sort of reteach ourselves because the food industry is not really going to do that. They're not going to tell us the amount of sugar. They can have the label, but it's up to us to get educated. People know about serotonin and they call it the happiness hormone. Well, much of the serotonin, about 90% of it, is made in the gut as well as where the receptors are located. So we start to realize that where, the, where our food is being digested is also where these you know, neurotransmitters are hanging out. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Gabby Ree Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is nutritional psychiatrist, Dr. Uma Naidu. She comes from Harvard Psychiatrics and has a new book out called Calm Your Mind on Food. Now, I love this conversation. It's right in my wheelhouse because through her own examination and practice and even experience of being diagnosed with cancer herself, she really dove a little deeper into bringing the practices of best foods to support, let's say, depression and anxiety. And we get all into it. What foods agitate us? No surprise, things like sugar, gluten. And that did you know that there are over 200 names for added sugar? Dr. Naidu does a really beautiful job of not only breaking it down and giving you really simple takeaways, but taking all the shame out of it. This isn't about us feeling bad that we're not doing it better, but it's saying, hey, let's figure out what is making you feel depressed or anxious and what can we do to make you feel better? Just one step at a time, not doing everything all at once. You know, it's a loud and busy world. And she does a great job of not only slowing it down, but keeping it practical and realistic to whatever your life and demands on you may be. So I hope you enjoy my show with Dr. Uma Naidu. Dr. Naidu, welcome to the show. I am really excited to talk to you for a number of reasons. Um, but you know, what we find is that people really, they want to talk about food. They all, you know, it's something, it's like the three, three times a day battle and in your work, I think what you're doing is so important because you have the credibility of coming from what, what people perceive as kind of more of a traditional training, you know, like Harvard and, and sort of, you know, this, oh, well, she knows what she's talking about. And what I'm, what I'm curious about is you go after your education, you, you know, you sort of maybe thought your practice was going to be one way. And how did you adapt and what gave you the courage 
to say, oh, wait a second, I need to bolt, I need to have an adjunct to my practice and, and sort of talk about these other things? Firstly, you know, Gabby, it's great to see you again. And thanks for hosting me on your podcast. Um, love your message as well. Um, I think the biggest thing, there were two sort of big moments, uh, kind of light bulb moments for me. One was as a young resident still learning psychiatry and learning the medications, a patient challenged me. And that really taught me to integrate nutrition into what I was saying, because he was accusing me of causing him to gain weight. And I knew from the stats and the, the medical record that even though I was prescribing an SSRI, which can cause weight, um, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it, he had just started it. He was already a little overweight, et cetera. But it taught me an important message. He was drinking a very large cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And uh, I asked him, well, what did you put in your coffee today? And when he told me that it was more than a quarter cup of processed creamer and eight sugars, he wasn't thinking, he was just repeating what he asked for at the counter. And I was able to share the nutritional information with him by, by showing him the calories, but showing him that they were empty calories. And it was a light bulb moment for him. His eyes lit up. He, I taught him something that he could easily change. I have it. So he, he was consuming this guy before he even ate breakfast. It taught me that if someone is equipped with the information, especially if I'm prescribing a medication which could cause weight gain, it was really important then for them to understand that. And it got, it started me on a path and a journey. And another light bulb moment was later in my career when I was unexpectedly diagnosed with cancer and was have, experiencing my own anxiety for the first time in my life. And I was kind of trying to decide, facing these medications that I was about to to accept, but also understanding the side effects were very scary. And I sort of had this moment where I thought of myself, well, I do this every day. I help people with how to eat and how to adjust their lifestyles. You know, I hadn't had a moment to think, and I decided I was going to lean into it. And so I unexpectedly became kind of the blueprint of my work uh, because I proved it to myself that by adjusting and tweaking a relatively healthy diet, none of this is perfect, but I was able to manage my side effects so much better. And those two things really, for me, solidified the importance of allowing people to explore this work and have it as an option for them. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting that you had to go through something that not only made you better at helping other people, but probably even more empathetic about dealing with anxiety and fear. And you know, you deal with patients that have really serious. I know that was you know kind of an incident because you're dealing with a scary thing like cancer, but just giving you that perspective that maybe people feel that way all the time. You know what was so humbling about it, Gabby, because that's an excellent point. Two things were very humbling. One is being on the other side uh, of the prescription pad uh, or the online prescriptions or how, however we, you know, uh, uh, people are accepting their medications these days. But um, that was very humbling to to be in a position where, um, you know, I was really having to understand the side effects and decide for myself and and comply and all of that. But the other part was that um, it took me that, you know, this work is real. Um, there's a lot of evidence behind it. I was seeing it in my patients, but when I proved it to myself, I think that was, was a very cementing experience for me and really, for me, made it come alive even more and made me bolder about bringing the message forward to be able to help more people. 
how would a person approach either improving or, you know, navigating steps towards improvement? Because I think people sometimes feel, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't know what to do. I, I agree. So I'll quickly show you a cover of the next book, which we're sending to you as we get uh, as we get the hardcover copies. Yes, because I, I read um, I, I read your uh, yeah. your this is your brain on food, and I I really I really love it. And I'm I'm going to I want to talk about that as well. But thank you. Um, so the the short answer, Gabby, is that during my during COVID, all the points you mentioned were what were impacting people. The most devastating effect was also on their mental health. So not just the physical impact of those who suffered COVID or long COVID or any of those symptoms. It was also that we know research is showing that anxiety and depression are at their height after COVID. And I decided to write the book because that was what I was seeing in my patients, you know, uh, being, being, um, uh, working throughout COVID and just seeing how they were navigating this new world uh, with their families, with trying to meal prep, with working from home, then with the hybrid model, with the angst that was coming from the news, then the vaccines, then, then you know, uh, sometimes mixed messages. Whatever it was, people were struggling in different ways. And that, unfortunately, that emotional toll is still showing in, in people because there's so many more people, including young folk who are just suffering with anxiety. Where do you start? You know, I often will say to someone, what's bothering you about what you're eating or drinking? Because sometimes it can be a beverage, you know, sometimes it can be a lot of soda or a, or a, even an energy drink that's, you know, pumped with sugar. And that's often a good way to start the conversation because someone has identified a, a maybe you know, ice cream that they've started eating every night during COVID. And <laughs> And they can find a place to start working from because they've identified for themselves as bothering them. And that's often one place to start because I I don't like people to feel deprived. So I want them to feel like we're filling up that nutritional psychiatry plate for them with more foods and more options. But often it's the habit that's bugging them that we have to start to pivot on and maybe find a replacement. Like, can you have a fruit-based uh, dessert? Can you have a piece of dark chocolate with, you know, clementine, something like that? Are you, are you saying that people will come to you and say, and by the way, I have this thing that I feel a little beholden to this ritual or this thing that I'm medicating with, you know, like an ice cream or something. Cause that is right. Mm-hmm. That's a temporary kind of, yes, a dopamine. Right. it's a way to you know, ooh, you know, for a That's second, it. yeah, it's do a they, feel good. Yeah, do they yeah. internalize that and say, "I know this practice. I don't, I don't want to do this. I feel bad about it." So they, you're saying, intuitively, people kind of really have a sense of this already. People often, so it's mixed in my practice. Some people come in just presenting with the anxiety and feeling desperately anxious. And what can I do? Can I get, you know, Zoloft? Can I, um, you know, can I work with you with nutritional practice? I've had this happen. Um, But on the other hand, some people come because it's a nutritional lifestyle and metabolic psychiatry practice. Sometimes people come in with, I know this is bothering me. I've gained a few pounds. I'm not sleeping well. Uh, my husband and I are drinking, uh, you know, two glasses of wine a night when we usually only had one glass on a Friday night at dinner. Whatever, it's a varied number of things, and it often includes things that people are drinking as well. And those people intuit that something is wrong, 
maybe it's a habit, maybe it's too much, maybe it's, you know, uh, not eating enough of their vegetables or taking a healthy lunch to work like they might have been doing. And they then come in with that bothering them. And that's often a really good place to say, well, if that's one thing we can start to work on while we build out a plan, because what I'm noticing now, because of the uniqueness of each of us in our microbiome, the plan for each person is slightly different. So what you may need to eat is not necessarily going to be the same thing as the next person. Um, and the science is evolving around around food as medicine as well. I, th- I think it is interesting, though, that we if we can be honest with ourselves and have that practice. And you said something really important. Um, I went through this with my husband. He, uh, I'd say about 16 years ago, stopped drinking alcohol altogether. But what was interesting because of the sugar and alcohol, people don't realize that we then kind of are managing a sugar addiction, which I always think it's funny. They serve mm-hmm. donuts at AA. I always, you know, it's like, one for the other. And, and my husband doesn't eat desserts, but let me tell you that first kind of six weeks, he wanted dessert because he was, he realized that, okay, that yeah. alcohol is right. a no go. And then it became a giant bottle of, of Pellegrino, you know, yeah. something yeah. in lieu of something else. So I, I just want to bring that up because I think we do get attached to habits or rituals or that a certain yes. feeling. And it's so easier true. if we can find that substitution that, it, you know, doesn't, doesn't impact us so negatively. I think it really is a really helpful tool. I love what you said, because I had an example that occurred during COVID where I was able to work with well, more than one person to, uh, had, was working with an executive and he was used to, uh, having a martini when he went out to his business meetings. So he would look forward to that and maybe his business meetings were, you know, three nights a week. But now he was at home and he started, he and his wife started to either have a glass of wine or mix a martini. So he's able to work with him because he was so used to this habit of actually using the sparkling water like Pellegrino. And pouring it in chilled, you know, using the special martini glass that he had with the, I think he had a twist or some olives or something in it and actually have it for most of the evening, just sipping the water and enjoying it. And once, you know, maybe a couple of times a week, have it, have the martini if you wanted it. But it was more that he realized and what switched for him in his head was he really liked the idea of holding the glass and the chill effect. And honestly, he... He wasn't, although he had gotten a little too used to them, he was able to switch out of that and we did it carefully. But it's so important to be able to replace the habit that someone enjoys. Uh, in this case, it was the aesthetic of holding the glass and all of that feeling uh, with something that was healthier for him. Yeah. And I, I think that that's important. I, I, and you said it, you don't want people to feel deprived. And I, I feel like our psychology never works well. We get fixated on the very thing that we say, oh, I, you can't have that. And so I, I really think that that's an important part of getting people to make shifts. And I, I, I appreciate that. So your focus is, you know, integrating, bridging nutrition with mood, Yes, nutrition with with mental health and mood is mood and anxiety are the leading, you know, issues that people are dealing with right now. Would you say that that's? Um, I often wonder too, because we we do have sort of a never a pause with, because of technology, right? There's always one more email to answer, one yeah. more text, That's right. um, and then also everything's very easy. 
Like if I want yes. something I can order and deliver. I, I wonder from your point of view, um, in a, in a world that's gotten very easy and also easy to occupy our minds, maybe with things that don't support our mood or mental health, um, mm -hmm. how, how much of it, you know, it's almost like, uh, if we had to put our phones away or work a little more for something, um, we would almost maybe feel better. Like somehow all of this ease is actually working against our biology. I, I agree with you on that point as well. One of the other things that occurred the last few years is how easy it was to get food delivered um, and how easy it was to um, have that replace the tension many of us may have been feeling about how many meals do I prepare. I've got now, you know, kids are back from college, families were back together uh, because of the because of the situation in COVID. And sometimes there was a lot of stress around meals because parents or whoever was preparing the food were now doing multiple meals instead of what was usually, you know, uh, an easy pattern that they'd gotten into. One of the things that I like people to understand about food is, is to find something that they either like to do that replaces that habit of just, you know, hitting the button on the phone, hitting the app that they're going to use and getting something delivered. Maybe even replacing a recipe, say they like Mexican food. Is there a version of that, uh, one of the dishes they like that they can do more healthfully at home? It's not so hard. You just get a few spices. We can order, we can still order stuff online, but we order the groceries online. Or we learn to get stuff from the farmer's, farmer's market because I think, uh, almost changing a little bit of the mindset around that becomes important. And people feel that when they even get their children involved in food preparation or food shopping and choosing those colorful vegetables and choosing something different to eat, um, maybe a vegetable they haven't tried or fruit they haven't tried, it becomes more of a family involvement and it becomes more of a, of a group task that, that can be enjoyed. It doesn't have to feel like a chore. Um, so changing the mindset around that ease, I think, is very much, you know, we, we tend to be an impatient nation because things are easy for us. You know, we can we can order stuff online, we can order it on our phone, and things are, are um, pretty much on our doorstep without much time. So stepping back a little bit from that and realizing that some of those things are not helping us, you know, if you're, if you suddenly need, need something for your computer and you're, you know, getting onto a podcast and you need it delivered from, from the stationery store. That's very different, but you know, food and beverages, and even in some places, in certain instances, alcohol, um, you know, it can be easily delivered. So we need to, you know, we need to, to figure out our way around this and decide what's best for our health. And that has to be an internal decision that someone comes to. Often it's hard to tell someone that because it, don't always want to hear it, you know, you've got to come to it. Can we talk about specifically, you know, let's call it the class of anxiety and depression and, and even, you know, ADHD, there's some very specific things. Um, and again, I'm honoring that everyone is different, but things that show up that, um, can really impact this. So maybe we could just start with good old fashioned sugar, Yep. No, every, nobody <laughs> wants to talk about sugar, but the thing is, is it's, it's, it's not only real, it's also in everything. And how, how many were, how many, right. um, what, what are there? Like, I don't know how many number of, uh, names for sweeteners, 
200 or something like that? Yeah, it's actually, the last time I checked, the repository had 262 other names used for sugar on food labels. And my favorite is brown rice syrup because people associate brown rice with the, with the healthier grain. And it's actually brown rice syrup is simply sugar. So I think that's an excellent point because I ask people to read that on their food labels and look to see if the food label is huge and they don't recognize the names likely a ton of sugar in that. Um, but, but knowing where the, the hidden sugars are becomes important. And often it's savory foods. So tomato, tomato, you know, store-bought tomato sauce, ketchup, salad dressings, um, yogurts, you know, uh, fruited yogurts. People think, well, blueberries are super healthy. Dr. Naidu said so, you know, and then they get a fruited yogurt, but a half cup can have up to eight teaspoons of sugar. So someone understanding that four grams, um, one teaspoon of sugar is four grams is important because our food labels are using grams, but our recipes have pounds and ounces and teaspoons and cups and things like that. So someone just looking at a food label and knowing that they can calculate in what, even a protein bar, um, oh, this is a so-called, you know, this is a, uh, you know, a favorite protein bar or something that they like or they think is healthy. And they look at it and it actually has so much sugar, even though it has other actually relatively healthy ingredients. So it's all a, uh, a learning, you know, what, what those options are. I think it's, it's especially interesting because you have people who now they're trying, but the, you just said they have 260 names for sugars. And so I think people either one of two things happened, either they go, okay, the middle of the store is out. I'll make my own dressings at home. Um, I think I know primal right. kitchen ketchup has no added sugar. And I have one of my teenage daughters is like, you know, complains about it, but if you just started your six-year-old or five-year-old with ketchup like that, they wouldn't know the difference. They wouldn't know. Yeah. Right. Um, but I do, it's like this idea of trying to really support people through not feeling overwhelmed. Like, oh, what can I eat? There's nothing I can eat. There's nothing easy. I'm going to, um, but the fact is, is like, we were never really supposed to eat that stuff. We weren't supposed to eat that stuff. And I think uh, the point that you made is actually excellent because the more times we can offer someone in real time, offer them a solution like a ketchup with no sugar um, or salad dressing, you know, a three ingredient vinaigrette, you can make in a mason jar. You know, you have these ingredients at home. Um, provides a solution that is easy for them so they don't feel as overwhelmed. Um, a couple of things about sugar. I think, I think people don't realize that um, sugar actually directly impacts neurons and impacts the brain. So the more sugar we consume is really not helpful for us. We have to consume sugar. It's part of our natural need in the body and a, a nutrient we need. But we can consume it from fruit, from other foods that get broken down into sugar, but we just don't want those added sugars. Um, the other thing I think that, that people don't realize is that, you know, there've been, there's been research and you alluded to it earlier on that showed that, you know, cravings for sugar taps into um, the dopamine reward pathway, which is the same pathway that say a street drug like cocaine uh, activates. So it, it can easily become something we get too used to. Unfortunately, food manufacturers figured out way back that, you know, when the low fat, uh, um, pieces came in, I think it was, you know, certainly decades ago, they reduced the fat, but they added back in sugar to flavor up food. So little things like that. And then 
the development of, um, you know, things like high fructose corn syrup have not helped us because they had so many foods. So you're right, you know, food is not intended uh, uh, to, you know, about, if you think about how our grandmothers, our great grandmothers baked or cooked, you know, they were, they were using natural ingredients. They were not pumping things up with either artificial sweeteners or, tons of you know cane sugar and stuff like that they were they were baking in a slight and cooking in a very different way and we we have to sort of te- reteach ourselves because the food industry is not really going to do that um you know they, they're not going to tell us the amount of sugar they can have the label but it's up to us to get educated but so you mentioned something that i i, I just want to uh, go back to you. T- you talk a lot about neuroinflammation, neurooxidative stress, neuroplasticity, um, emotional immunity, and reinforcing the gut-brain access. So it's really getting people to understand the the pathway from the brain and the gut and how interconnected it is. This is something that you spend a lot of time sharing and talking about with your patients. One one of the mechanisms in nutritional psychiatry that helps us understand this connection between food and mood, food and anxiety, and food and mental health overall is this gut-brain connection. Um, and it's one of the mechanisms. So, for example, um, many people don't realize that the gut and brain arise from the exact same cells in the human embryo. And they divide up and form organs which are far apart in the body, but they remain connected by the 10th cranial nerve called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve allows for two-way messaging of these chemical messages and neurotransmitters between the brain and the gut all the time. Now, if you take that a step further, you realize that, um, you know, people know about serotonin and they call it the happiness hormone. Well, much of the serotonin, about 90% of it, is made in the gut as well as where the receptors are located. So we start to realize that where the, where our food is being digested is also where the, where these you know neurotransmitters are hanging out. They all interact with the trillions of microbes in our gut. And these microbes on a day that we are eating the healthy foods and healthy fats and healthy salads and lots of fiber are broken down to... Uh, products in the gut, which are short-chain fatty acids, which actually lower inflammation, fend off oxidative stress, etc., and really feed and nurture the microbes. But on days that we kind of going through that fast food lane and upsizing the fries that we buy because they they sort of engineered and they actually have sugar in them, they you know they they engineered to be hyperpalatable, so we upsizing, we finishing the fries, and if that's what you're consuming then, you know, the breakdown products of those meals are actually more toxic to the gut environment and the lining of the gut, which is a single cell lining. And that's when you start to create damage over time to the gut and set up inflammation and, you know, oxidative stress, etc. The damage to the gut then can lead to things like leaky gut. So just a simple breakdown of how this this gut-brain connection explains that food-mood connection and just an important understanding we need to have. I think that's that's so helpful. And and I, I love your take on, you know, because we have, I don't even know if they can count, trillions, uh, you, you know, in our, in yes. our microbiome. Microbes. And it's like, yeah. oh, feeding the good, not feeding the bad. I don't think they really know. So it's like, listen, try to eat good and, and let's see what happens. But um, I found, and and I'm curious your take on this. For example, if I am eating weird food, like I'm off, 
the rails a little bit or sugar. I see that that becomes a more powerful calling. And, you know, someone ex- said to me once, well, maybe you're feeding those element, those that group in your microbiome, they're becoming more powerful. They're asking and requesting because I guess the notion is you sort of have this telepathic communication from the gut to the brain and the gut is like, Hey, let's get more of that sugar. Cause those guys are powerful. And so, I mean, sometimes I think when we can look at it that way, like we're not bad people, we're not lazy, we're not getting it. It's like, no, we've got some really powerful things happening inside us calling for these things. We just have to ride it out and, you know, eat and, and not drink certain things to let the other elements of the microbiome build up. I I don't know. I think if people realize there's sort of that little battle going on in there. There's a battle and a balance. You're absolutely correct. So, you know, those good microbes are the ones that eat the salad and the healthy fats and are happy. The the bad microbes are the ones who like, you know, those French fries and all that sugar and that ice cream. That's when they thrive. And when they thrive, they actually upset the balance by taking over, and that's when they form these toxic substances. So rather than label ourselves or get get upset, I, I think you're right about that because it's so easy to for for these things to to bother us. Rather, we think about it as look, it's it's a battle between these microbes, and it's how we decide to feed them. There are things that are you know part of how our brain works, like stress precipitates habit circuits in the brain. So. If we are very stressed and we're reaching for ice cream or reaching for whatever that, that, that so-called treat may be, unfortunately, those treats mistreat the brain. So it's a delicate balance. So we feel stressed. We start to eat that. But then, like you said, you know, either the microbes are like, Oh, I want more of that. Or the brain signals like, you know, the stress precipitates this habit cycle. I want to go the following night and I get two cups of ice cream, you know, a little bit more different flavor. It, it starts to set us up that way. If we just understand those things a little bit and see that, you know, do we build in, you know, a mindful practice? Do we get a, a, find a recipe, uh, which I have actually, and this is your brain on food, where we made made an ice cream just from bananas. And you can actually make a chocolate flavor by adding something good for your brain, which is cacao nibs and, and uh, natural cacao. Um and make it a chocolate flavor, you know, so there are ways to get around this by having the thing that you crave, but making a better version of it. And for me, what I find with my patients is that interrupts that circuit where they, they're like, well, Nick, I'll have only half a bowl tomorrow, but you know, it ends up being a full bowl or two because your, your, your mind is looking for it. Your brain is looking for it and your body is looking for it. And so are the microbes. You know, they, they're craving it too. So you, you, that is that is correct. And I think the more that we just can help ourselves understand that, the more we can maybe shift our habits a little bit. Yeah, I, I read years ago that book, 10% Human, and basically it sort of implies that we're here to serve the microbes and, you know, we're kidding ourselves if, you know, we think that we're, you know, hosting them, it's sort of like we give them a place to live and they're kind of calling the shots on some, on a lot of levels. And yes, this is true. I mean, I, and in a way I, I, it's not, it's always about personal responsibility, but when we can understand how powerful it is to get these systems in place, we can, I think we can really support ourselves This podcast is brought to you by Quince. 
Now, I'm not a huge shopper. I do like nice things and I like to give nice gifts. And Quince has become my go-to place for luxury essentials, whether it's for me or even my house. I got some nice cozy blankets, but they're at affordable prices. I don't know about you. I don't mind spending money. I hate wasting money. There's something about like I'm real I know I'm just paying for the label and Quince the way they do it is they have things are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And the way that they do that because first of all they only work with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing practices. So this is also something that's really important. They use premium fabrics and finishes. I really love that part of it. I'm not going to lie in that way. I'm I'm, you get spoiled when you, when you touch something that's nice, like a hundred percent Mongolian cashmere sweater, you know, you know, the difference when the materials are high quality, they've got washable silk tops and dresses. They have cotton sweaters, comfy pants. They have all these beautiful items. And like I said, things for your house and it's because they go direct to you. So they, they just pass on all of the savings to you as the customer. They have a wonderful offer for you today. So all you have to do is go to quince, that's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash Gabby, and you will get not only free shipping, but a 365-day return. So go to quince, that's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash Gabby to get free shipping and take advantage Try it, try it on, see if you like it. Otherwise, they have a 365-day return. That's quince.com slash Gabby. This podcast is brought to you by Vionic. So I got my first pair of Vionic shoes about, I guess it's about maybe three months already, because a lot of times I get people come to me and they say, hey, will you endorse our products for the podcast? And I've said this a lot of times. If I wouldn't eat it or drink it, sleep on it, in it, wear it, I'm not going to share it with you. So they sent me the Georgie Mule. I loved it right away. Because the thing about Bionic is they began by revolutionizing medical orthotics. I know you hear that word and you go, oh, but today they continue to use the science to engineer shoes. So your feet feel amazing. You've got energy. Is there anything worse than uncomfortable shoes? But they have the cutest styles. Everything's curated. It's season. It's seasonally appropriate. They have all these like ready to wear, weather ready boots, cozy slippers. I even got compliments from my daughter. So I got the Georgie Mule. I since ordered another pair, uh, a slip on shoe for one of my daughters. She travels a ton and it's really great because you can dress it up, you can dress it down. They have boots, they have all kinds of styles. I even just recently got a kind of square toed ballet slipper called the Orinda. Here's the other thing. I have a very large foot. It's a size 12. All their styles go up to a size 10 and 11, which is really great already. Some go up to a 12. So I've got the Orinda. I have the Georgie Mule. I love how cute it is because at the end of the day, I'm not going to wear shoes that hurt, but I'm definitely not going to wear shoes that I, I don't like the way they look. And there's nothing worse actually than having an ugly shoe and a big foot. It's a no-go. So not only do they have an incredible offer for you today, they offer a 30-day guarantee. You can wear them, love them, see how it goes with your wardrobe, or return for a full refund as long as it's within 30 days. So there is no risk here. It's getting a little cooler out. You can get your boots or your shoes. Maybe you're on the go. They have something for any part of your life. And again, your feet will feel so good. I've worn them for eight hours at a time, 10 hours at a time, 
with zero problem. So all you have to do is head to, remember to use the code Gabby at checkout, Vionic Shoes, V-I-O-N-I-C-S-H-O-E-S.com when you log into your account. If you use the code Gabby at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com. And when you log into your account, it's for a one-time use only at vionicshoes.com. This episode is brought to you by Maui Nui Venison. I love this brand. I've been using the brand for over three years. It was first gifted to our family by a friend who's an incredible surfer, Billy Kemper from Maui. And uh, Tim Ferriss has shared this brand with me. And they're a mission-based company bringing the healthiest red meat on the planet, and it's right directly to your door. Honestly, this company, I just, I appreciate them so much because we're all trying to do better, right? I want to eat better, but I want to do it responsibly. And Maui Nui Venison, you can feel so good about their product. It's the only stress-free, 100% wild harvested meat on the market. And a lot of research shows that it's also one of the most nutrient-dense red meats available. I really feel it. I actually consume less of it when I eat it. Um, But then the other side of it is, because this is the practical part, it shows up at your door. It's delicious. The meat is not, it's not gamey. I know a lot of people when they they get wild caught meats. It's like, oh, I'm not used to this. It's not gamey. They've got different cuts. It's extremely clean. You can cook it all the ways that you're already making your meals. And again, they bring it right to your door. They have a wonderful offer for you today. All you have to do is visit MauiNuiVenison.com slash Gabby, and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's MauiNuiVenison.com slash Gabby to save 20%. M-A-U-I-N-U-I-V-E-N-I-S-O-N.com slash Gabby. You know, alcohol, it's in, I find it very interesting because I grew up um, in a culture, I grew up in the West, in the Caribbean and, uh, you know, like islands, alcohol is it's very cultural. Um, so I, I didn't really take to drinking alcohol too much, but again, we, I've navigated with my husband. It's socially almost weirder. If you never drink, how do you, how do you get people to enjoy their lives? Um, and where do where to put alcohol in all of this? Yeah, I I think that it's one of those topics where it's very much a personal choice, but it has to be an informed personal choice. Um, I don't think that we can, you know, if someone is struggling and running into problems, that you have to step in, especially as a psychiatrist, you know, step in and, and have the conversation that's hard, which is, you know, what can we do to help you with this? And that's never an easy conversation. And sometimes, uh, to be honest, people are not ready for it. How I guide people is on, on, in a few ways. If you don't drink, no reason to to start drinking now. There's, you know, if you don't drink and that's not part of how you were raised or your culture or it wasn't something that interested you, no no reason to pick that pick up that habit. But if you do consume alcohol, there are better ways to do it. One is just teaching people about alcohol and the impact on sleep. Um, if you're relying on that glass of wine to help you sleep, it's going to upset your circadian rhythm and your sleep architecture. So not a good idea to be relying on it to sleep. If you are consuming too much or you picked up your use during the during the pandemic, 
this is the time where we need to kind of renegotiate that for you and help help you figure out whether it's the you know um, sparkling water in a martini glass or having a beverage that's sparkling but doesn't have the calories or sweetness that or, or sugar that alcohol does that's another good idea and then if you're having a cocktail cleaning up the the kind of cocktail so none of the added sugars the juices the simple syrup which is simply sugar the multiple types of alcohol in it because those just only add to the sugar load and the calories that you don't need to consume so if you're going to have it have a cleaner version of a cocktail a, a, a fresh squeeze of um, a citrus fruit versus a juice um, and 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 be and do it with awareness you know, do it with awareness um, because there are some, there is a body, uh, you know, certainly a body of research around alcohol where it's, it doesn't damn alcohol entirely. There are some benefits to it, but I think that it becomes confusing for people. So, you know, it's my, it's my job to figure out the science behind it, but my guidance for people is don't pick it up if you don't drink. If you drink, drink in moderation. And if you, if, if it's a problem, you know, you, you're going to hear from your friend's family or probably one of your doctors like myself to say, look, maybe this is a conversation we need to have. And the reason I, I come to this, uh, Gabby, because I, you know, I, I see a lot of polarization around topics like this. And I think that as a doctor, I've got to understand that my patients come from all sorts of backgrounds. Um, they may have never drank alcohol. They may come from an parents who are alcoholic. They may have had very horrific childhoods where, where alcohol was a part of that. And they either choose not to drink or they're struggling with it themselves. So you've got to be open in order to be able to help them. And that's where this philosophy of finding the path for that individual, uh, to me, just makes the most amount of sense. And I, I have to say, and again, tonally, you feel to me like a person who would be so easy to talk to is taking shame away from all of this, it's taking shame away from the ice cream Correct. at 11 o'clock at night, taking away the shame of, of um, you know, maybe drinking too much alcohol and getting to, hey, how can we make this better for you? Um, and, and letting people know that everybody is battling something and we all have this opportunity. So I, I appreciate that because I think that that sort of keeps people holding uh, things in because they think that uh, it's somehow, uh, you know, something about their character when it's like, no, this is, this is like fighting a real battle. And how do you get a system in place to help you? It, it is, it is like finding a fighting battle. And that's when even understanding that, you know, physiology is involved in this, our brain is involved in this, our body is involved. I think it's very scary for people to just see things in the media or on social media, um, or however they consume information with, you know, parts of their liver and comments about alcohol. I think it's very scary. And I think that in my opinion, I will educate my patients and I'll give them exactly that same kind of information, but in a way that is not shaming. Because when you hear that, you're already struggling with something. Um, whether it, sometimes it's, you know, uh, soda. Sometimes it's, it's a, a similar thing, but drinking too much of soda or energy drinks because of brain fog of just feeling so exhausted through, the, through this time that we've had. And whatever it is, the shame doesn't help because the shame just makes people feel worse. So taking away that process and helping them find a way that they can communicate with you is the most important. Um, and also feel people do so many different things with food or, or beverages. It could be coffee. It could, you know, you, you just, 
you you have to embrace what the person is doing and help offer them the help um, when they need it. And and you know addictions, yes, that's that's a that's a that's an intervention moment. Yeah, yeah you must be a good poker player because you must hear some wild stuff, and then you have to be like, oh, okay, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, so I read one time that and this was a long time ago that Americans uh, consume a lot or something on average twenty percent of their calories in a liquid form. Is this, is it, am I off the park on this? I, I don't know the most recent stat on that, but I, I would, you know, I would agree because people do drink a lot of soda and, um, just sweetened beverages, you know, I say, say sweetened iced tea that's pre-made or even, even healthy drinks like kombucha, you know, when added sugar is added to it, it's just, you have to look at the balance of the amount of sugar on the label. So I don't know the exact stat, but I, I would agree with that. I know, um, yeah, you know, I think one of the things that people don't realize is, um, about alcohol is when you do consume, say you are consuming a lot of alcohol, you can really be struggling with anxiety because it's sort of the chicken and egg story. You might be drinking the alcohol to calm your mind, but the unfortunate reality is you're worsening um, aspects of how that is physiologically breaking down in your body. And you can be waking up with extreme anxiety and a heart racing and have almost mild withdrawal. So it's, it's, it's really a very delicate balance. On the other hand, if you're not consuming enough water just to hydrate, you can be dehydrated and experience anxiety. So, so, so important to understand the balance here. And it's really bad uh, for people listening to, if you're dehydrated and then you go to bed, it's very hard on your heart. I mean, it is something that we have to be mindful. I'm all the day. I have certain days where I'm like, oh, really? Have you even had water today? So I think that that's a, that's a, a constant. Um, on the sugar part, the last question I have on the sugar part is uh, stevia. I was really fascinated because, you know, if you eat a stevia leaf, a plant, it's very sweet. I personally, you go, oh, a few drops in a tea because it's kind of bitter, but stevia is so powerfully sweet. But even that, maybe you don't have an insulin reaction, but the brain, maybe we can just sort of talk about um, stevia specifically. So so stevia is natural in, in, in and I think that that is where it could be a little bit of a trap because it's not entirely bad. It's definitely an option for people if you know, if you use a little bit, like a, a couple of drops in tea and that's, that's, but if you, you know, baking with stevia, cooking with stevia, putting it everywhere where it's just taking over sugar, it's, that's too much for your body and your brain. Unfortunately, there are studies that showed that, um, even with things like stevia, they can, they can actually impact your anxiety. So we've got to make sure that if you have a certain condition, one of the things we do is we check substances that you might be thinking of, like the fruited yogurt I mentioned. The patient of mine was actually had read my book and was eating a ton of yogurt, just you know one one every day, and sometimes as a snack. But she was eating the small sizes, but not realizing the amount of added sugars they had in it. So sometimes we're trying to do the right thing, but we just don't have all the information. Um, with artificial sweeteners in general. The way that they work is they, if you think about a little packet of uh, stevia or any artificial sweetener, there's a tiny bit, right, compared to the amount of sugar you might add in a teaspoon. This is because they are hypersweet. So another word for them is non-nutritive sweeteners. Um, they are hypersweet, and what happens is they they enter your body, and then the 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 way that our bodies work, the body starts to think, well, 
sugar is on the way and it starts to react in that way. But the sugar doesn't arrive because it's actually not sugar. It's a sweetener. And that's one of the things that actually upsets the balance. In addition to the fact that artificial sweeteners actually disrupt the gut microbiome to uh, to, to varying degrees. So the general guidance is um, be, you know, use in moderation, uh, don't overdo it. Um, you know, there were a couple that, that had less of an impact. Um, erythritol was one of them, less of an impact on insulin resistance. But then there were other, other research came out about erythritol and, and the heart and other things. So with a lot of artificial sweetness, sometimes I'm, I'm super cautious. And the reason is, I don't think we have all of the research yet. You know, there are newer sweeteners and uh, we're still evolving to see what the research shows. So moderation, try not to be too reliant on them. Um, I will use a touch of honey. And even though it's, it's it, all, you know, all of the sugar, all of these different forms of sugar breakdown, uh, to sugar, the issue is honey has other benefits for it. Uh, you know, so if you're not not entirely plant based and you're willing to have some honey, that's an option too because it comes with other benefits. And to me, that's a little bit my, my offsetting the sugar by by taking it in that way. Yes, and it comes from nature, so your body's like, oh, I I know this, I know what to do with it, and I and they even say like coconut sugar has minerals and everything in moderation, but. I, I I think that, that it has other things here. Yeah, I think the fact that we think there's a sort of a, a biological free lunch anywhere. <laughs> we keep trying. I like it. I want it too, but it's so far <laughs> like it's not showing up. The other two two areas that you really talk about um, is you hear we now people are really dialed into you know seed oils, vegetable oils. Um, and, you know, going back to the French fries, people don't realize too, mostly if you're going to go to a restaurant, it is less expensive to cook with these oils. And if you have a fried food like a French fry, not, the worst thing is that the oils heated up, cooled down, heated back up um, when it's being used. So this is also where it becomes a, a dangerous oil, but, but you're finding, hey, let's stick to high level olive oil and coconut and avocado and is there any other oils that you 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 like oh, mac, macadamia nut oil yeah. doesn't go bad right um so with macadamia nut oil it's still made from the nut itself so usually it's used in cold preparations um it's not usually a high heat oil um my favorite suggests generally extra virgin olive oil and for higher heat cooking avocado oil i'll use a touch of coconut oil and i will use butter or ghee so clarified butter or some uh butter itself but all in moderation so that you know if I'm, depending on what i'm cooking these are these are things i i will add because there's also been a lot of rethinking around you know uh, and not all physicians on board with this, but rethinking of our studies of saturated fat. So I think a little bit of butter is okay. You know, this nutrition, the world of nutrition, that things are changing all, all of the time. Dr. Naidu, are I, you being diplomatic well, right now? I am being diplomatic, you know, because even I uh, really had really started to revisit my thinking because a very important study came out really at the beginning of COVID in 2020. And it was the most cited uh, cited article in JACC, which is the Journal of the American College of Clinical Cardiology, I think. Uh, I may have watched that, but, but it was the most cited paper. And it really looked at 
uh, saturated fat. So, you know, whereas I went from the beginning of my clinic where I was really saying to people, don't eat this amount of butter or this type of this amount of red meat. I've relaxed that a little bit to be more inclusive of the quality um, and again in moderation so that you're having quality food. And I'd much rather someone have a, a steak or whatever their choice of protein is or grilled tofu, they, whatever it is, but have it be a quality product than a processed, um, you know, one of the things that processed meats have in them are nitrates, which drive depression. So it's just just one more thing. It is very interesting how, and who knows the politics behind it, where they can say like fat is bad and how we culturally take so long to shift um, the, the, yeah. the thinking on that. Um, gluten. Now, I, if we if we did wheat the way we used to do it and it was farmed the way it was, it maybe we, it wouldn't have, I kind of feel this way about dairy. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, if I lived in Pennsylvania and had access to a Quaker farm where I could get real whole raw dairy, um, I think a lot of people have found that they're actually not lactose intolerant. They're, they're more the process intolerant, but um, gluten seems to be one of those foods that we, we sort of worked through being, you know, in food processing that don't seem to support mood. This, this is mostly correct. The, there's in fact a lot of evidence that gluten can impact levels of anxiety. And again, it's the type of gluten, right? We, we have to realize that, you know, uh, an artisanal, um, uh, loaf of sourdough bread, which has a ferment, fermentation process and a fermented starter has actually less sugar. So maybe that's an option if you occasionally want a piece, uh, you know, slice of bread. But the processed sliced bread in our supermarkets, you know, the type that you leave on your kitchen counter, you forget, you go away on vacation, you come back and guess what? It's still there. This is a sign <laughs> to tell you <laughs> that, you know, it's really not that great because it's pumped up with preservatives and stabilizers and colorants and all of that. So uh, guidance on gluten, does, uh, with my practice, I have to work on a slow elimination with people. If I identify that this could be an issue for them, we remove it, we do it slowly, and we see if they have an uptick in their improvement of their mood, an improvement of their anxiety. And I do that simply because people are very used to having um, eating bread. And unless they come into it with a gluten intolerance uh, or just or celiac, it's it's tough to to separate the person from their lunchtime sandwich that they used to. So how do you do it? You know, and to prove the point, we'll often just work slowly to eliminate something, replace it with a different type of, of maybe non-gluten grain, um, something that's a little bit more nutritious. People do need some whole grains from other foods, but it just doesn't have to be the processed breads that we're used to eating. Yeah. And you're a big, big advocate of fiber, fiber, fiber. So Definitely. And and you can get fiber from whole grains, but you can also get it from vegetables and fruit. So it's not like you have to eat bread. You, you know, you, if you are eating um, healthier, uh, eating healthier or cutting back, so you're concerned about insulin resistance and you're monitoring your carbohydrate intake, well, you know, there are other options for you to get fiber too. It, it was, is such a win in this conversation is if I took somebody to to a trainer who said, Hey, I want to lose 20 pounds or more or whatever. All of these same things that would benefit and elevate your mood and maybe support you through that will also support 
okay, cognitive function, weight management. Um, it's a great because you're you're sort of hitting three or four birds with one stone. It, you're saying the same thing, quite frankly, um, just from a from a it's, different it's point a, of view. It's, it's a it's a it's a correct. So, so I think that the way that I define it is um, the outcomes that I'm looking for may not be the same as say the next doctor, but there are some similar results that happen, which are great for my patients. Because I was going to say, when we talked earlier, you know, sometimes two weeks later, a patient will call and say, well, I don't know why this happened, but I lost two pounds. And part of it is they're just eating, honestly, Gabby, they're just eating whole foods versus the processed foods that they had been eating. And they've made even one or two switches in what what they're doing. Um, and so I think that one of the benefits is that people do lose weight. Um, their brain fog improves, their concentration improves. And by fending off inflammation, um, one of the things people don't realize about inflammation and their cognitive health is many of us may have, you know, very silent little changes in the brain and nothing may happen um, to that. In a similar way, people may be walking around with, you know, tiny cancer cells and nothing will happen unless they have a lifestyle change or something else makes that cell change. And, and one of the driving factors in cognitive disorders is if we're eating for really to fend off neuroinflammation, if we're eating healthier, leaning into those vegetables, eating the fiber, having the healthy fats, having some, some you know, um, the, the so-called treats in moderation and really leaning to better foods, you're actually working to reduce inflammation in your brain, which is very powerful because what that could be doing for any one of us is improving our longevity because we're really fending off any type of cognitive change by eating healthier for our brain and for our brain, brain cells. Yeah. And, 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 uh, speaking of that, you, you're a big, you know, you sort of have looked at diets cause you know, everyone's so different, keto, paleo, vegetarian, vegan, whatever. And, and there is a, you sort of have looked at, and we, people talk about the Mediterranean diet all the time, but for you, this is one that's showing up very nicely. And there's actually an Island in Greece. I think that where it's literally, I think there's no sign of Alzheimer's um, in, is it Icaria? Yeah. It's one of the, is it one of the blue zones? Yes. Yeah. And, and literally that particular Island is almost seven years. They live seven years longer than any of the other Greek islands. But mm. to your point, yeah. living without, um, Alzheimer's or dementia, I mean, that's, I think that's a lot a of win. people are concerned about that. So it's just reminding people how powerful this is. Um, can we, I would imagine the way you grew up, it was, there was a lot of spices and, and things about that. So, cause when we, when we, I think people sort of feel like, well, how am I going to get all those colors or that diversity? And you're like, yes. And you are, um, you're a chef yourself. Um, and I, and it's like, yeah, no, the spices count like this mm -hmm. being playful and experimental and you offer tons of recipes and ways to do that. Um, but maybe you could just, um, on the best cognitive diet, you, you talked about, um, the Mediterranean, but polyphenols and turmeric, maybe we could just talk about some of your favorite little spices that people don't realize like, oh no, this counts too. 
Uh, I love that topic. So love spices. And I also think people overlook the fact that they sort of the hidden uh, hidden ammunition we have in our kitchens, you know, because they, if you're buying a pure spice, they sugar-free, calorie-free, salt-free, and they add flavor. So they're rich in antioxidants. The colors are often those polyphenols from the plants that they are grown from and um, anti-inflammatory. So they, they hit a lot of the high notes for really our brain health. Um, and uh, to your earlier point, they also help our physical body and, and the rest of our health. Um, turmeric with a pinch of black pepper is a great one. Um, if you don't cook with it, add a little t- a quarter teaspoon to a tea, a super smoothie to get you started. Um, and a pinch of black pepper actually activates the active ingredient to make it about 2,000% more bioavailable to your brain and body. So that's an easy hack. You know, if you can use turmeric, always add a pinch of black pepper. Um, there are also things like rosemary and thyme herbs that I love. And there's a, 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 a kind of secret um, antioxidant uh, called luteolin. And that actually has been shown to help brain fog. One of the things that a lot of people are sort of struggling with, um, I hear this about, you know, feeling a slump in the afternoon, not feeling like they can concentrate in the afternoon. And luteolin can be found in um, Mexican oregano, uh, hot and sweet peppers, thyme, parsley, and so many other things. So these are just little easy things that we can do to brighten up our cognition, to help our tension, um, and over time to really help our brain health. Uh, even, even the process of fending off that inflammation is very powerful for cognition. And you, you stated that you, Julia Childs, you were a fan of her. And I thought it was interesting because, you know, there's so many things that we do in tradition that we forget why we did it because it gets, just gets passed along for you know, generation to generation, but the original reason there was usually a purpose. And what I found interesting, you talked about, because people are always confused, prebiotic, probiotic, you know, one, which does what, and you, you talked about a great uh, prebiotic is when you cook a base for so many dishes, like with onions and garlic, that this actually is a way to support your gut health. And and I think these these small reminders to people of hey these practices that things taste make taste great anyway and for a lot of recipes they're bases anyway that this actually supports your gut. This this is all correct. So you know there's a preparation called sofrito and and it, it's basically in many cultures it's you know a base of garlic and onions. Both of those are actual active prebiotics that we should be eating anyway. So when they form the base of, of a different dish and, and each culture will have its own recipe to make maybe a, a special sauce with tomatoes uh, or, or, you know, in, in Indian cuisine, it may be the base for a curry uh, where we add a lot more spices. These are, you know, easy things that you can get done and you you instead of thinking oh well i have to take a sup there is a place for supplement but for supplements but oh i have to take that as a supplement actually you can be doing it the uh the way that you 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 you're eating food every single day and i i just love that point um and then and maybe since you mentioned it supplements it, are there things that you think hey this this for, this is a good fortifying for most people um, you know, it turns out in the United States, people should be checking, especially when it comes to anxiety, they should 
you know, this is a routine test your doctor will do in your annual checkup. Should be checking their magnesium levels and their zinc levels. But many Americans don't have enough magnesium, and magnesium levels being low can actually worsen your anxiety. So it's an easy thing to check. You can also, you know, consume foods. Um, but also, I live in the far northeast, so a lot of people may be deficient in vitamin D. And that's another one worth checking. Um, and then your B vitamins. B vitamins are really, you know, I like to think B vitamins are brain vitamins, but they actually have a lot of a lot of good functions. But I want people to be thinking about getting in those B vitamins because it, uh, you know, it, it, may, it makes a difference. Are there cultures that are, are sort of doing well with their magnesium and zinc and what do you think it is in their in their foods uh that they're doing as a regular practice that maybe um we're not let me answer it in in sort of in a different way which is most of most americans are eating the standard american diet which is called sad for a reason because of you know there's a lot of processed out of processed foods and fast foods involved and cultures where they're just eating more actual food and whole foods and actual vegetables or um, less processed meats, but just uh, if they're eating meat, they're eating, you know, uh, just the actual steak or the, the chicken or whatever it is, or lots of seafood because they're rich in omega-3s. I think they do win because the the difference of eating more whole foods versus fast foods or processed, ultra-processed foods are where those nutrients just naturally come from. I don't know about you, but when I <clears throat> like eat at a friend's house or maybe I go to a restaurant and there's something in there that I don't know what it is, but it's just is amazing. And then you learn and then you mess around with it at your own house and you do it. Yeah. There is something yeah. so fun about learning about a new spice or a new vegetable, figuring out, getting to share, someone sharing with you how to prepare it it's so fun. and then being able to present it. You're like, Oh, this, you know, I didn't know how to do this. And now <laughs> this is something different. I love that. I do that all the time. I love it. Yeah. I, I love that too. It's just a way to expand your palate, you know, find new ingredients you can work with, make your food more interesting. You know, because I think, I think when we have these conversations, we, and I think you and I will agree on this, food is also enjoyable and it's meant to fuel our bodies, but it's all, and our brain, but it's also to be enjoyed, you know. So um, how do we balance that up with feeling less restricted and less rule bound, but also being kind of mindful about the choices we're making? Well, I, I really appreciate this conversation and, and you being a, a a really powerful bridge and interpreter between, you know, people feeling good and supported, but also giving them the tools, not just throwing a pill at them. I, I, I really, really appreciate that. Do you, uh, can you just remind people all the places that they can find you? Thank you, Gabby. Um, so you can find me online at my website, which is umanidomd.com. Follow me on social media where we have links to the new book and all sort of updated information, and we share research all the time. It's at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O, -O. and uh, the book is coming out um, soon, and it's called Calm Your Mind with Food, and it's available for, for pre-order or, you know, uh, yeah. if, and, I, and we'll, I, I think it'll help your anxiety. I believe it will. So, Dr. Naidu, thank you so much. Thank you, Gabby. It's such a pleasure to see you and talk to you again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. 
All you have to do is go to GabrielleReese.com or head to the episode show notes to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, podcasts, and so much more. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and send them to at Gabby Reese on Instagram. And if you feel inspired, please subscribe. I'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Laird Superfood. In 2015, Laird Superfood was created, but it was really actually created in my kitchen by my husband, Laird. And he was always experimenting with coffees and other ingredients for performance. And lo and behold, Laird Superfood was born. And we have beautiful coffees and creamers and protein bars and other things. But one of the things I'm very excited about is our new greens product. A lot of Americans are not getting enough fruits and vegetables. Something like 85% are not getting enough vegetables and 80% are not getting enough fruit. And we need fiber. So for me personally, I'm always trying to encourage people, and I know this is Laird's philosophy as well, is real food, right? Let's try to get as much of the good stuff, the minerals, the nutrients, the macro, the micronutrients from real food, but it's hard to do. Our soil's different. People are busy. Maybe you don't know what you're getting at your grocery store. So this is a way to get it done and bridge some of those nutritional gaps. And what I also really appreciate about it, besides that it tastes good, I just do it in water first thing in the morning, then I'm done. And then I actually go and have my coffee after, but we use upcycled fruits and veggies. So things that won't go to waste, maybe they're not really pretty. So we use them in our fruits and veggies. We use no fillers. So your body actually knows what to do with the ingredients. They know how to absorb it. There's fiber. And also we never use any artificial or natural flavors. Uh, this is something that is harder than people realize because to amplify flavors, a lot of times even you know using natural flavors is the way to do it. So I'm excited to share with you. And if you'd like to try it out, all you have to do is go to layeredsuperfood.com. And if you punch in the code Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y 20, you will receive 20% off. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.